It has, and geez, what a season, right? Uh, I can see why we wanted to uh, remain dormant this whole time. This is the Best Coast Boys podcast. I am your host, Landon McCool. I am here with my co-host, as always, uh, John Owning. John, uh, I've completely forgot my intro, John. Dallas Morning News contributor, John Owning, uh, and I am at McCoolBCB. John, say what's up to the people. How's it going, everybody? It's It's been a while, but we're back. Excited to be back. A lot of exciting things going, but uh, you guys know where to find me on Twitter at John Owning, J-O-H-N-O-W-N-I-N-G. Make sure you guys go clickety-click all my articles at dallasnews.com slash sports slash cowboys. And yeah, I'm excited to be here. It's it's been It's been quite a year. I don't think I need to tell anybody listening to this podcast. It's been rough. There's definitely obvious, and, you know, first of all, I think the first thing we need to say is apologies that it's been so long, but I think everybody is aware of what's uh, gone on in, in the last year. I guess you know what we wanted to do to kind of uh, come back into this. Uh, obviously, you know, we missed an entire season, um, but I thought it would be good for John and I to kind of just discuss and have a conversation about what we thought happened with the Cowboys season last year. We're going to go position group by position group. Uh, and uh, just kind of break down what happened last year for these guys, uh, and and you know, and then start and have that be a jumping off point to a conversation about what we think is going to happen for the Cowboys in 2021. So we're not going to waste any more time. Let's get right into it. All right. Well, um, it's it's quite a lot to cover, and 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 I think the best way to start to set it up is to kind of discuss, you know, what our expectations were uh, when all this kicked off. And, and John, I guess we'll start here. When, when we finally kind of got shape of what the coaching staff was going to look like, uh, you know, it, this is all pre, pre-COVID actually coming to America and all this and, and before all that, when we actually got shape of – of the early part of the offseason, some of the free agents that we were going to be getting or looking into, who the coaching staff was going to be, who the defensive coordinator, how we were keeping Kellen Moore for, for as offensive coordinator through the new staff. You know, what was your level of optimism with the staff and with the team going into the year at that point before uh, we knew about, you know, restrictions at training camp and, and the offseason and that sort of thing? I was optimistic. I thought that the Cowboys' offense was going to be able to carry them to the playoffs. I thought Dak Prescott was going to take another step in his progression and just elevate his status as one of the best uh, QBs in the NFL. I thought he was going to step into like a, that top like six QB status. I thought with the weapons the Cowboys have at receiver, with all the talent they had on the offensive line, I thought there was no way that the offense wouldn't be among the very best in the NFL. I thought the defense was going to not be that great, but I thought that they would be decent enough that the offense would be able to carry them, like I said, to the playoffs. Um, 
I wasn't really a huge fan of a lot of the free agent signings that the Cowboys made, but I was happy that they finally allocated some resources to the defensive tackle position, even though it didn't it wasn't exactly the guys that I particularly wanted, except for McCoy. I was a fan of that one, but I wasn't a fan of the Poe signing from the yeah. start. Yeah. And the Ha Ha Clinton Dix one, that that was the weird just the weirdest thing throughout the entire season that he couldn't beat out Darian Thompson, who turned out to be pretty pretty bad this year but yeah i was very optimistic coming into i liked the offensive stats especially i liked really kellen Moore at offensive coordinator i thought um he's fantastic play caller um defensively i thought uh mike nolan would be okay i wasn't the biggest fan but i did like jim tom sula i did like the fact that george george edwards was a part of the staff yeah. So yeah, I, like I said, I was I was very optimistic before everything went haywire. Yeah, and then and obviously that's kind of the next part of this conversation is uh, things went haywire, and uh, you know there was definitely periods of of questioning. I mean, obviously the world was was kind of going crazy, so football became a very secondary concern for a while. I mean, I think as football fans, we were watching uh, a lot of what the chaos that was happening in baseball because baseball was obviously, uh, you know, very much in full swing uh, when this started happening. And, um, and I, and I think that, uh, you know, in basketball and the way you know, they were eventually going to handle that, that situation. Um, and so when, you know, when, when football started coming around and it was time to kind of have a, make a decision about what we were going to do. I mean, obviously the draft was, was a completely different, uh, kind of event than it had been previously. Uh, but even beyond that, um, you know, I, once they started kind of truncating the, the training camp and, and the off season, uh, it became very clear that, that this was not going to be, uh, you know, a normal, a normal off season, um, and, and, you know, look, and I think that this is a good point to kind of bring this up and, and we'll talk about this real quick and then we'll get into the actual position groups. But part of my hypothesis in a lot of this is, you know, look, Mike, did Mike Nolan uh, deserve to be fired? Yes, I probably so. For, I mean, obviously, I'm speaking as in knowledge now. Uh did he get? Did him and and Mike McCarthy, you know, but specifically Mike Nolan, get kind of a raw deal because of all the scenario and the situation that was happening with COVID and a lot of other issues? Absolutely, I, I think that both of those things can be mutually exclusive. Um, I mean, you know, it can, can be true, and they don't necessarily need to be, you know, uh, feeding into each other. I, I think that the other thing too is that. I think there's something to be said for the idea that Mike Nolan and Mike McCarthy um, may not have handled this this particular situation as well as other as other coaching staffs did. Uh, but I also wonder how much of that is actually a uh, transferable skill to to what will win you know Super Bowls in the in the future. So I guess my my question to you is how much do you feel like uh, and I know this is kind of hard to quantify, but how much do you feel like the the COVID uh, protocols and the limited access and training camp, that sort of thing, how much do you think that that uh, limited Mike Nolan specifically's ability to kind of transition into a new defense and, and, and what kind of effect – how much of an, an excuse do you think Mike Nolan gets for that? And, 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 and regardless of whether – that was enough to like keep him in, in the job. Obviously, he's gone now. But how much do you feel like that was a legitimate excuse, or how much do you feel like 
Mike Nolan was never going to work with this system, and, and, and even if he was given the time. I definitely think it's a legitimate excuse. I, don't, I think his biggest issue was not his like rig, traditional coaching ability. I just think he, among all the new defensive coordinators that were established last year, had the toughest time adjusting to the really the COVID-19 reality of where you had to do virtual meetings and install things virtually. I think Nolan's strength is doing stuff on the field, you know, uh, person to person, talking to people, you know, walkthroughs, practices, all of those type of things. And when those were eliminated, a large part, especially for the offseason in the OTAs and minicamps, where the defense is largely installed, the base defense, I think it was, it really hamstrung him. And he just, I think he's a little bit older. He just doesn't, didn't really do a good job adjusting in that way. If things were different, I think. I still think that the way that things played out with injuries and whatnot, that the Cowboys yeah. defense wouldn't have been that great last year. And given the personnel that they have, especially at like positions like defensive tackle and whatnot, especially after Jared McCoy and Tristan Hill got injured, um, there's really not much you can do. You can really you can have Bill Belichick calling the defense, yeah. but if you have the defensive tackles that the Cowboys had last year, you're not going to be able to do much against the run, I don't think. And yeah, but he had. I think he had legitimate excuses, but you know the reality is in the situation and in what they're talking about in 2021 might be even the same in the off season. They might be done virtually, so you can't. I don't really think there was a good argument, even though there's legitimate excuse. There's not a good argument to keep Mike Nolan. Yeah, abs- absolutely not. I, I I agree with that. I think that's that's the thing that I've been been trying to like kind of parse out is you know look I, do I Mike Nolan you know needed to be gone I, I I think that there was even if even if uh uh you know even when because I think he you know I was just gonna say I think if you look at what happened with this team after the bye I think you start to see that the, the defense made some adjustments and and was able to play a little bit better than they had previously. Uh, and, and some of that might be turnover luck, but some of that also might be because they're in position to you know create those turnovers and and, and you know take advantage of those turnovers. Uh, and, and I think that that's something that you know keep that when I watch that I'm like, well, maybe you know at the very least one of the things that they really probably missed you know besides install and and scheme is the actual opportunity to, to evaluate these players in their scheme right and 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 to make those adjustments to to know okay well this is not going to work at this position you know this is not going to work here because they had to kind of do that on the fly and i think you know that's another spot where they kind of got shortchanged you know in an, in a in a off season where they're supposed to have an extra preseason game uh, they, you know, because of the Hall of Fame stuff, they didn't even get that. They didn't get the extra time at OTAs. They got reduced amount of time. And, and, I, and I agree with you that I think that the old school nature of Mike Nolan may have kind of played against him a little bit in, in a situation where having some uh, <laughs> uh, Gen X or, or Gen, Gen Y friends, coaches might have might have helped out just to at least get them on the Zoom on time and, and, and you know, teaching everybody how to how to work while over a, a teleconference it's not exactly something that you know people his age have a lot of experience doing so let's let's get into the actual positions and start talking about you know the kind of progressions that they that the team made throughout the year um and let's start at quarterback uh you know i, I think we're not going to linger here too much because obviously i think we feel like Dak Prescott will be the quarterback here ne- next year um 
and I think you know the, the question now becomes again, uh, <laughs> when will he be signed, and how much will it be for, and that sort of thing. And, and if not, then what? Then they they better have some very serious plans uh, to move move forward if they're gonna you know think about not signing him or trading him or franchise tagging. The Cowboys are really gonna be in trouble cap wise if they franchise tag him. But what, what were your thoughts on on Dak Prescott? Um, you know, early in the year uh, and how he was playing and 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 and. You know, obviously he got injured. Uh, I think it was week five or six of the of the season, and that horrible ankle injury. Uh, what 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 do you feel like is is his future at this point? I know it's hard to kind of predict with an injury, but uh, what are your thoughts and feelings on on how Dak Prescott is played this year and, and potentially will be playing uh, come come twenty twenty one? I think he played well. I think he showed the progression that we hoped to have. He was doing. A really good job doing some of the things he hadn't done in the past. He was attacking the middle of the field, the deep parts of the field really well. He was aggressive. I think he was pretty accurate. Um, He had some turnover issues in some games, but I think he overcame it well. He always With Dak Prescott in and at quarterback, the Cowboys always had a chance. They were always in closing games. The offense was always able to... uh, dig themselves out of the holes that a lot of times they helped create, whether it was fumbles from Zeke or interceptions or what have you. So I thought he played really well, and I'm really optimistic about his future. I'm not too worried about the injury. I think the only thing that injury might do, even though he wasn't injured on a run play, I think that might might sway (laughs) the coaches to expose him less often on running plays, which I think personally would be a mistake. I think you're taking away a big facet that – that could make Dak Prescott even more potent. Yeah. But that's something that could happen. But I'm still really optimistic about his future. I think he can be among the best quarterbacks in the league. And, in, I mean, he's eventually going to stop improving. But I haven't <laughs> seen it yet. Every season I've seen yep. him make considerable improvements in key areas. And I expect that to even continue this year, even though he's rehabbing from an injury and might not have the same amount of time to put in the skill work that he has in the past. But... Anytime there's been an obstacle put in his way, he's overcame it extremely well, and I expect him to do the same. Yeah, I think that's something that's you know probably not hidden, but a part that's largely kind of just poo-pooed about you know the 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 reasons and the and the and the whys of of the Cowboys going uh, six and ten this year. Uh, but I think those early games where they really really struggle. I mean, not not the very first game because I, I don't know if they had any turnovers in the first game, but um, the, the week week two through six. I mean, I mean, even after Dak was gone. The team and, and a, a lot of Zeke really struggled with turning the ball over, and that really put the the offense in a, in a lot of bad spots early on. The team overall in a lot of bad spots overall, and it was ultimately Dak that was digging them out of those spots. Uh, sometimes single handedly, it felt like, um, and yeah, you know, and then obviously his injury was was devastating to the team. It, it was already a, a disappointing, or, or or at least not the season that we had hoped, or the, the team had turned out how it felt like. How like we had hoped, but his injury was just a devastating blow to Cowboys fans. Before we get off quarterbacks, let's let's talk about some of the other guys who played. I, mean, I thought it was interesting. I mean, Andy Dalton uh, was a kind of a one and done situation. Um, I, I thought that he did a pretty decent job once he kind of got comfy. Uh, you know, at least earned himself a look. I would assume by some teams as an as a. No, again, another year of maybe a highly paid backup. You know, uh, I think he's 
I don't know if the Cowboys are going to be interested there or not because of the money, because they really just can't afford it if his price went up. But uh, I thought he played well, and I also thought that Gar- Garrett Gilbert in his one game against, uh, uh, I think it was Pittsburgh, uh, he played well as. Uh, I mean, j- you know, again, where you th- think expectations are, right? I-, I think Garrett Gilbert played well for for what you expected. Uh, and for Dalton, I think you know he is what he he is. I mean, he, he seems like a, a guy who has very de- well defined uh, weaknesses that I think most of the league knows about. Um, his pocket presence is not great, uh, but but I think that he, if you can find a way to work around that, he he can you know he can deliver. He can he can uh, uh, drive a bus. What are, what are your thoughts on on Dalton and Gary, Garrett Gilbert seasons or, or their performances this last year? Yeah. I thought uh, Andy Dalton performed about what you expect if you're a rational Cowboys fan and not just a giant Dak hater. <laughs> yeah, which ex- which those people exist, and they certainly yeah. made themselves known, I mean, right? Some people thought that the team would be better with Dalton instead of Dak, which makes no sense. Yeah. You know, has nothing to do with who they are and what they look like. But yeah, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, besides um, that. But the thing that really frustrated me is I wish they gave, they gave Garrett Gilbert more opportunities. I I was intrigued by how he did in the one game that he played. And I think, especially toward the end of the season, when it was obvious that the Cowboys, even though that they were still alive for the playoffs, it wasn't like Dalton was playing that well. And I think the ability to evaluate Garrett Gilbert to be a potentially Dak Prescott's backup next year, a cheaper option, was something they should, was a direction they should have went down for sure. But uh, besides that, yeah, I, I was. Intrigued by Gilbert, I thought Dalton played about what you expected, and I think Ben DiNucci was incredibly terrible. So, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we didn't mention uh, Ben DiNucci, and I don't know if that was by design or not, but uh, that, that wonderful, that wonderful week. I'll, we'll always have that wonderful week of DiNucci magic. The the week leading up to his start of just wanting to, wanting to hope and believe, and and then just having it all. Come. Or was it was it Gallup or CD Lamb or who said he can sling that thing? Yeah, and <laughs> we were all just like, oh Apparently boy, not. it's coming, it's happening, and it it definitely did not happen. Uh, <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, so moving off quarterbacks uh, to wide receiver, you know, wide receiver is probably the one position, John. Where you feel like top to bottom, this is the position group that actually had a great year, right? That, that that like maybe the one group in this team that like, oh yeah, you guys had a bad year, man. We had a really great year. <laughs> like it, it it feels like you know Amari Cooper quietly had a fantastic season. Um, you know uh, uh, Michael Gallup. You know Michael Gallup. Uh, you know started out not having as well a season. He felt like CD Lamb was eating into his targets even more than we. Uh, uh, than we thought, and I and I think that even once uh, you know we lost Blake Jarwin, uh, you were surprised to see that Gallup. I think I'm pretty sure he ended up uh, with less targets uh, than than Dalton Schultz. So. Uh, I, I, but I still feel like at the end of the year, you saw him start to pick that up a little bit. Uh, but this trio of wide receivers, CD lamb, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup, uh, clearly have made themselves known, um, as, uh, you know, with, with that time early on with Dak, you obviously please throw in any commentary if you've got about Cedric Wilson and Noah Brown, who both of which I thought at different points really showed you something as well as in the wide receiver core, 
uh, I think this this is a group that I am so super excited about for what is what what you're gonna have for at least the next year. Uh, what are your thoughts on where we started and where we finished with the uh, the Dallas wide receiver core? Yeah, I agree with a lot with of what you said. I think one through five at receiver, everybody did well. I think, like you said, Amari Cooper had a really fantastic year that went under the radar. He proved that he can, in fact, produce on the road, and he doesn't have like some magic voodoo against him when he's there. <laughs> yeah, I always thought those storylines were hilarious, but yeah, and he obviously he was still he still had to deal with. Uh, a couple lower leg injuries and he fought through them still played well um, I was really impressed by CeeDee Lamb from the slot I thought that he did a great job especially with like over routes he showed good route running against mountain man coverage he showed toughness he had a, some issues with drops which was a problem an issue with him and Gallup I think and something that definitely needs to clean up especially for Gallup this is the second straight yeah. year where he's been really struggling in terms of drops so hopefully he attaches himself to a Jubs machine this offseason or something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, Cedric Wilson, I was really impressed with the opportunity with him and the opportunities he got. He showed that he's a yak threat. He showed the ability to make strong catches. He was good on mesh concepts, all of those things. I think he's someone who's a pretty damn good number four wide receiver. You can't complain about him. And then Noah Brown, too. I think he did great as a blocker. He showed toughness as a catcher. As a receiver, and he showed strong hands. He showed an ability to to make an impact in the role that he had. And I think him too. I think he's a free agent this year. I would definitely bring him back, especially for his contributions on special teams and whatnot. Yeah. So I was very very happy with what they got from the receiver position. You know, there were stretches during the season where people were wondering if the receivers were doing well because they weren't producing really at the high level that were at the beginning of the season. But I think a lot of that had to do with protection issues and quarterback issues. Yeah, I still, absolutely. I mean, every week I was posting dozens of clips of the receivers getting open, but just the yeah. quarterback didn't see them. They didn't have enough time to get the ball to him. But these receivers are doing a good job getting open, regardless of who was the quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with all of that. And I think that, you know, Noah Brown, I mean, he's going to be 25 years old next year. Like it feels like he's been on this team for eight years. Like it's, it's nuts that he's only, he's so young, but uh, I think, yeah, it's, it's. I'm be interested in bringing Noah Brown back def- definitely because he's, both of these guys in Wilson and Brown are so versatile and so useful as uh, the fourth and fifth wide receivers. Uh, and again, especially with their special teams prowess, uh, just incredibly uh, uh, complementary pieces to obviously what is a, a crown jewel of this team uh, or one of them in, in the, that trio of wide receiver. I, I, I expect a more great things from them next year and, and it's not surprising they're incredibly talented trio so uh let's let's talk about tight end because tight end to me was a position that is uh is very very uh, exciting because you know you come into the year you feel good about what you're going to get out of blake jarwin um you feel good that he's going to be a guy that can especially with these other wide receivers involved like we just mentioned that is going to be able to get nice targets, going to be able to get some great looks, some opportunities to, to really kind of shine this year. And then he, then he gets injured, you know, and it's, uh, it's really kind of a, 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 a I think he got injured the first, first game. Right. So he, it's, it, he, it's just really a, a body blow to what you think is going to happen. And, you know, you and I have been fans of Dalton Schultz since he came into the league. You know, I, I've, I've always thought that, he was the kind of tight end that 
you know, had a lot of the skill set that you needed being a Stanford tight end, just having a lot of the ability to, you know, be a pass blocker, do a lot of things. But he just needed some time to kind of grow as a as a as a you know physical player and 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 as a as a pass receiver, and I this year was absolutely uh, just a a breakout season for Dalton Schultz. Uh, you know, for him to come in here and eat up almost ninety targets uh, and get six hundred plus yards receiving, four touchdowns. Uh, I, I mean, now what you look at, and then Blake Bell, I think you know, it's worth mentioning as well. I mean, just he didn't have as many targets, obviously not as prolific as a receiver, but when he was targeted, he he was he was converting. He was very very good as a blocker of the times that I noticed. Um, and so I I think you you come back next year with Blake Jarwin, uh, Dalton Schultz, and, and and I don't know what status of I think Blake Bell is t- a free agent. He is a free agent, unrestricted free agent. But if you know if they wanted to bring him back. Uh, or you know they they also could take a look at you know some of the other younger tight ends that they saw playing uh, you know they so I think that the, the tight end position much like the wide receiver position you know just maybe a little bit more quietly is suddenly a very stacked position for the Dallas Cowboys. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I as a, a, a standing member of the Schultz folks fan club, <laughs> I was. I was impressed. Even I was impressed. He even exceeded my expectations. You know, I thought that he would be better than a lot of people thought in in replace of uh, Blake Jarwin. But he even blew my expectations out of the water. I mean, the improvements that he had as a route runner in the short to intermediate parts of the field. He was really snappy getting out of his breaks. Allowed him to create separation in his man coverage. Did a fantastic job finding voids in between zones. As a receiver, as a run blocker, he did really well still. He was the one thing that I don't like that the Cowboys do is they give their tight ends a lot of really difficult run blocking assignments. Yeah. They have a lot of times where on their backside, you know, they're one on one against edge rushers. And a lot of times that's, you know, really, really good guys like Carl Lawson or like a Brandon Graham. And it's like they're not going to win the majority of those times, but Schultz fights well. He positions himself well and he makes at least those edge. Dep- Defenders go through him. He's not someone who's just going to olay and allow them to get immediate quick pressure. Most of the time, it happens sometimes, but um, I thought he was good there. And I'm really, really excited about him and Blake Jarwin being a nice little one-two combination for yeah. him because I think Blake Jarwin can be that guy that stretches the scene, that vertical receiver, that guy who flexes out and kind of is like a a big slot receiver. Gives you the can be a matchup problem there, and then you have Dalton Schultz who can be a reliable short to intermediate intermediate uh, weapon who can block for you he's very versatile i'm just excited about those two then blake bill i mean what can you say about the bell dozier i think he's a, <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite players to watch just on a snap to snap basis he competes yeah. hard um he's an extremely good blocker i thought he did really good in pass protection helping out the the yeah the terrence steels and brandon knights of the world when they had issues i think he did a really good job there um, I would love to bring him back to be the tight end three again. I think you can find a role for him. I think he's an excellent person who can step in if somebody's injured because he has enough athletic ability to be to be a contributor in the passing game if need be, even though he's primarily used as a blocker. So yeah, I like the receivers. I was really happy with what happened with the progression of the tight ends, even though Jarwin was injured. And I think given the fact that Jarwin was injured, things went about as well as you can possibly expect. 
Yeah, and I think also uh, just another name to throw in there, Sean McEwen. We got a couple snaps in there, uh, so he's another guy they they may consider. But I, I, yeah, I would bring back Blake Bell if they if they if they have the opportunities and the price is right. Um, running back. So running back is an interesting position this year. Obviously, Ezekiel Elliott uh, for the for the first time while playing a, a you know basically a full season. Uh, was unable to achieve six, uh, a thousand yards rushing this year. Just fell sh- just short. Um, you know, and we also got to obviously see a, a heavier load because of you know injury and because of other reasons. A heavier load of Tony Pollard as well. You know, I I feel like going forward that this is going to need to be more of a committee situation. I think the Cowboys saw that that this was kind of trending towards this, anyways. Um, it's you know is it ideal allocation of funds with the way they have it with Ezekiel Elliott no um but i do think that you can really make this a duo like this work for you um obviously zeke for the first time i think you know maybe his career uh really looked like he had started at points to succumb to some of the lower body injuries uh, i think you know later on in the year once he kind of recovered a little bit you saw a little bit of of kind of normal zeke but there was different points in the season where he just looked beat up and he was beat up um and i think a lot of that also was having to kind of carry the load at different points while dealing with uh you know several different combinations of of offensive line we'll talk about that in a second but uh it was a tough year for ezekiel elliott uh so what are your thoughts overall and and not even to mention the the fumbles that, that obviously was a huge huge problem early in the season and and really kind of soured everyone uh, to Zeke early on. What are your thoughts on, on the running backs here? Uh, you can also obviously throw in any thoughts on Rico Dowdle, who played a little bit. But what are your thoughts on on Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard's season last year and their and their season moving forward? I think there's no way around it. Ezekiel Elliott was a big disappointment for the Cowboys this season, whether it was the fumbles in the running game, whether it was the drops in the passing game. Um, he just was not the Ezekiel Elliott that we've come accustomed to when healthy. He was just not as effective. He wasn't making the one-on-one pers- people miss consistently, especially in the early to mid portions of the season. Towards the end, he started doing a good job winning those uh, situations. I still think he is a very good running back. I think he shows off his abilities in between the tackles to find slivers, to read uh, leverage, all those type of things, to churn yardage. I think that's still things that he does at a much, much higher level than Tony Pollard does at this point. But I think just Tony Pollard's abilities to hit home runs is something that, I mean, how many seasons? I think this is two seasons in a row where Ezekiel Elliott hasn't really done a good job of breaking explosive runs. He's kind of that... You know, hits doubles, but it'll never hit the home run. Tony Pollard is the guy that hits home runs, and I think that's something that he needs more exposure so that you can add more explosive elements to your offense. And in the past, it's kind of been like a 70-30, 80-20 split in Zeke's favor. I think it should be more of a 60-40 split moving forward probably for Zeke and Pollard given their contracts, given everything. I think that would be kind of a nice little sweet spot for both of them. And I would even employ packages where they're both on the field at the same yep. time. I think there's a lot of fun things that you can do with two really different running backs, but very effective running backs in their own right. So I'm not really much to say. I'm yeah, you know, I'm 
excited kind of about what Tony Pollard could do in a bigger role moving forward, hopefully, if that happens. But when you have a running back with a contract like Zeke, you never know if Pollard's going to get that kind of opportunities because of the money tied into Zeke. I wouldn't be surprised if next year we saw more of the same of Zeke getting the predominance of the carries unless he gets injured or whatnot. I think, you know, what we saw with them this year was was good. You know, I think that uh, you I would love to see Zeke more in the kind of super back role, you know, where he's doing a lot of different things offset while Pollard is also in the backfield with him. Because um, he, first of all, I think he he honestly does like doing stuff like that. I don't think he minds run blocking when when the, the when he needs to on the occasion. Not you know not full time. I'm not asking to make him a fullback, but I think what you can do is have more of those kind of pony packages where they're both in the backfield, uh, and you know, and Zeke can be the kind of wild card that you just don't know what he can do because he can do a little bit of everything well. You know, and and I think that Pollard, you saw it again this year, is uh, is good in a change of pace situation. But I don't think you want him anywhere near or approaching fifty percent of the of the carries. I think you said it. Sixty forty is a good mix. But I think when you start bout getting closer to fifty fifty, uh, I think it's 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 less. Uh, effectiveness for for Pollard, you know. I, I mean, I, I think that the, he he does hit a limit at a certain amount of touches where you're starting to see diminishing returns, right? Whether it's because of negative plays or because you know he's not as effective at, at breaking tackles at the line of scrimmage as Zeke is. Uh, I, I just think that they, they found a good balance at the end of the season with their talents. I don't know that they should they should try to go back to you know backwards there. We'll we'll see if they do, but. Uh, I feel like it would be uh, to the detriment to kind of fall backward into a situation where you're giving Zeke 80% of the touches and Pollard only 20, right? So, uh, and so let's, let's, I think, unless you got something else there, let's move on to uh, the spot, which really I think kind of in so many different ways truly defined the, the Cowboys offensive season, uh, the offensive line. Um, it's just an absolute nightmare. Like, I mean, I, I just, like, I look at this position group and what happened to the Cowboys uh, from, let, let's say, you know, the, when Mike McCarthy became head coach to where they ended up, you know, they, they lost uh, uh, Frederick, they lost, uh, you know, Tyron Smith, they lost Lale Collins. Then finally they lost Zach Martin, the last starting standing offensive lineman was Connor Williams and if you want to call it Joe Looney uh and 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 they you know were Looney was out for a good portion of the season and 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 Connor Williams had people rotating in around him almost every week it felt like uh so i guess <laughs> it's a mess john like i i mean i guess what we do is instead of kind of traditionally going through the offensive line uh, and talking about all these guys, let's talk about the bright spots. Let's, I mean, let, you know, we we saw a lot of bad offensive line play this year. Um, talk to me about some bright spots in the young group. We know Zach Martin is a is a monster. Clearly, the guy can play guard or tackle or whatever the hell he wants, and he can play it well, and he'll beat you up. We we don't we don't need to talk about Zach Martin. Everyone knows how we feel about Zach Martin, but I guess. Talk to me about some bright spots in, in, in all the mass of humanity of all the people that we saw kind of rotating in and out at offensive line for the Cowboys this year. And when you're done, I'll talk about a couple. 
Well, first off, I was impressed by Connor Williams because I think he took another step in the right direction of his progression. I thought he showed more power in the run game. And I was impressed how reliable he was with all the changing parts around him. You know, yeah. he had the worst surrounding cast that he's ever had since he entered the NFL. And I think he put together his best season since he's been in the NFL. So that's really promising for the future. If the Cowboys don't find someone who will compete with him in the draft or a free agency this year, I think you got to feel good about him returning with uh, Tyron Smith, supposedly, on, per, uh, you think, on his left, and then probably Tyler Biedos at center. And he's another guy who I was impressed with in his given opportunities when he was in for Joe Looney. I thought he showed yeah. it, the smarts that you talk, that everybody talked about of him coming out of Wisconsin. I think he showed that in spades, the abil- his ability to just step in and really control the line, take over a lot of the line calls for the team. That was really impressive. I think he still has uh, needs more strength, more anchor and pass mm-hmm. protection and the ability to move uh, defensive tackles on like gap schemes and duo in inside zone. But for like outside zone, he showed good uh, movement ability. I was impressed with. So I think you've got to feel good about his future as the team's starting center because I think obviously in year two, he's got to be the favorite to step in and take yeah. over the starting center gig. So I think – out of everybody, those were the two that I was most impressed with. I think Cam Irving actually showed pretty good at right yeah. ta- at uh, left tackle as well when he was in before he got injured. Way <laughs> he he performed way better than he had with the Chiefs the years prior, and I was really in- surprised by that because I thought he was going to be terrible, but he yep. wasn't. So, you know, I owe him an apology there. He he <laughs> performed way above my expectations in pass protection. He still had a lot of issues as a run blocker, but I think given the situation that you're in, you'll take that 10 times out of 10 with him. Especially since the Cowboys were throwing the football so much. Yeah, I, I thought that it, it really did kind of minimize his weaknesses, or at least it minimized the exposure to his weakness, which is his run blocking. Um, yeah, I, thought, I agree. I thought Connor Williams had an impressive year. I think he is still being uh, – uh, wrongly maligned by a lot of Cowboys fans, you know, and um, I, I, I'm excited, you know, it's, it's possible to have hope about the future of Connor McGovern without denigrating Connor Williams. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and I think that there were points when you were worried about uh, where, what you were going to get out of Connor McGovern. I still see a guy that definitely needs like a Biotish needs to get stronger, uh, needs to work on, on some of his, and I think with his strength, hopefully that'll fix some of the lunging issues you see with him at times, because he'll just have better strength, you know, better confidence in his strength and he won't feel the need to initiate contact so early so often. Um, but I think, yeah, to me, Connor Williams, Tyler Biotish, those were the kind of shining lights. I thought Brandon Knight, you know, before he got injured, showed you a level of toughness and versatility that's useful. I still want Brandon Knight on my team. Um, Terrence Steele, you know, look, I think that there's a lot of talk about, you know, well, let's let him develop. He's going to get, you know, more of these. I mean, Terrence Steele has played, I think, I could be wrong, but almost 3,000 snaps of football the last three years. Because I remember I remember he played something crazy like he had something like 2,000 pass sets uh, in his in his college career. And he played another you know 900 plus snaps this year and a ton of pass sets. and he still has the same issues as he did, you know, coming out of college, coming out of tech. Um, you know, he's still just lunging at times, not trusting his technique. I, I understand there's physical tools there. 
Um, but I, I, you know, I would be glad to not see Terrence Steele step on the field for a little while. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to make up the team this year, but it was really rough at different times. Brandon Knight was pretty terrible too by the end of the year, and I'm a Brandon Knight fan. I, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that he was coming back and gutting out an MCL injury, and the Cowboys really didn't have very much else there. Uh, and I think that really even further limited his his strength. Uh, which you know is already kind of an issue there for him. He needs to get stronger. Uh, but obviously, you know, there's not much good to say about Terrence Steele and, and Brandon Knight's play near the end. It, it was really a liability. And, and the best thing you could say about their play is just at times they weren't getting you killed. And that's really the that's the very poor bar that they had to clear, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see exactly what happens to the position moving forward because you know, like like we mentioned, we don't know what's going on. Tyron Smith, Lael Collins, you know, having double hip injuries and then struggling to maintain weight to get back. Uh, you know, none of that none of that sounds good uh, as far as certainty for next year. You just hope that they can kind of find a way to uh, you know have. F- get 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 healthy and get uh in better in good shape for the next year and if tyron smith's not coming back uh then obviously the cowboys need to find a replacement for him immediately and that becomes your number one priority speaking of number one priorities to fix let's talk about the dallas cowboys defense Uh, we mentioned all the the coaching drama everything that had gone on there with that side of the ball let's talk about the players and let's start at the the number one, you know, potential. And, and I guess maybe, maybe we could have debate whether this or defensive interior is the number one spot that they need to look at. Uh, but let's talk about the cornerback position. It's 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 you know it's hard not to look at what the Cowboys have on the roster if you count out uh, Jordan Lewis, you count out Chidobi uh, 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 Awuzie, um, if you you know C.J. Goodwin, who's not a guy who plays on defense a ton, but is a key, key, key high-end special teams player. Uh, those guys are all technically under uh, unrestricted free agents. You still have Anthony Brown. Uh, we could talk, we'll talk about how he played this year. And Trayvon Diggs, who I think, you know, not for nothing, had some real ups and some real downs, but at the end of the day may have had one of the best uh, uh, rookie seasons uh, of any cornerback this year in the NFL. Um, you know, so – Talk to us about what you thought about, you know, obviously this is a position group that really struggled at huge parts of the portions of the season. And and also much like the offensive line dealt with a lot of injuries, but what did you think about this group? Who, who uh, stood out to you and, and what do you think the future of the position looks like now that we're transitioning back into uh, Dan Quinn style, cover one, cover three defense. Um, I thought, Trevon Diggs was a bit of a roller coaster, you know. He had a yeah. lot of ups and a lot of downs. He had he had an issue with staying connected to routes a lot of times at the top of routes. I think he needs to work on his footwork. I think he needs work on um, some of the technical things. But I love the way he plays. I love how hard he plays. I love his physicality, his size, his ball skills. All those things are great. So I think he has a strong foundation. I think he fits really extremely well into this yeah. win cover three system playing the deep third. I think it's going to take advantage of his ball skills, allowing him to vision the quarterback is only going to help that. I think he's going to, he's going to do a good job taking away those deep third vertical passes. Um, I'm excited about what he's going to do in this scheme. Um, I think Chidobi Awuzie, I think he played about what you expected outside of the injuries. I think he played it similarly. He's a good 
he's a solid uh, good's probably a little bit too strong but he's a solid cornerback yeah he's gonna probably among all the Cowboys corners he probably provides the tightest coverage up until the catch point and we all know the issues he has at the catch point yeah um Jordan Lewis I think he looked like a safety I think coverage wise in the slot (laughs) he had a really tough time with uh, miscommunications with um busts he had tough time staying connected to some routes especially against quicker speedier receivers but I like a lot of the things he did in run support. I think I like some of the things he did in deep in deep zone coverage, intermediate zone coverage. I love his ability to match, you know, running backs out of the backfield or play against tight ends. Despite his lack of size, he always fights in those situations. So I think honestly, he really just looked like a safety to me more than a cornerback. And if he is potentially brought back or anything, I think that would be his best spot moving forward. I just don't think he has a I just don't think he's that um, that good of a slot, pure slot cornerback anymore. I just think his athletic yeah. deficiencies, his um, is just too much in those situations. And as far as Anthony Brown, I thought he was kind of disappointing as well. I didn't yeah. wasn't very impressed with how he played. Um, similar issues he had in the slot. I thought he played a little bit better outside with his size and stuff. He had did a little bit better job staying connected to the routes, but he had similar issues to Jordan Lewis when he was in the slot. I think that's a big a big hole for the Cowboys right now, even in yeah. Quinn's system, is they need to get a, a real definitive slot cornerback who can really be effective there in, the, in those situations. So we'll see what they do there but yeah that those are kind of my thoughts about the corner I think you definitely have to bring CJ Goodwin back just for his ability to contribute yeah. on special teams I think he really proved and even as a QB spy in those um yeah in those he was CJ good at, package I, yeah. I still think Penny Package is a way cooler name Penny Package is the Brad better. Cham yeah. and them who came up with it yeah but um yeah that I, I, those I are basically see, I, my thoughts. I'm intrigued about Diggs's future. I probably wouldn't bring back Jadobia Wouzier given that you can the cornerbacks that are available in free agency and especially in the draft. So yeah. I, so let me ask you first of all, Anthony Brown. I feel like had a disappointing season. I feel like he can play better. As far as Jordan Lewis goes, and, and you and I have discussed this a lot. We've both been on move Jordan Lewis to safety. But my thought process here has always been because we've got him still under contract and we need to do something useful with him. Are you actually interested in re-signing him as a safety, or do you think you just let other people have to deal with that experiment? Um, I he was somebody that if I couldn't find anybody I liked in free agency, I would kind of come back to him because I okay. don't think he's going to have a really huge market. Yeah. So I think he's someone who can kind of be like your plan B or C if you don't like anything else and like. The Cowboys, historically, they like to fill the holes with uh, cheap veterans so that they can go into the draft and kind of keep a BPA approach. Yep. So yep. I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Lewis was kind of used in that situation. Yep, totally. But um, I'm Jesus. definitely not like, you know, going out, like trying to sign him before free agency hits or anything. Yeah. I'm going to let him explore his options. <laughs> and if he finds somebody that wants to give him a better contract and think that they can get better out of him, you know, then... By all means, yeah. good luck, and I appreciate your contributions that you've given the team the last four years. We also need to keep in mind, and I keep we keep saying this on the Locked On Cowboys podcast too, is is 
Maurice Candidate's coming back next year, you know, and and he I think he has some value as a cornerback three or cornerback four. Uh, so I, I, there is, you know, some veteran depth here, and I think he's a good fit too for what they're gonna do. Um, so I think that there is there is that, and I, that's why I think, yeah, you draft a guy, you probably have what you need in your veteran presence, right? Or at the very least, maybe you. Uh, maybe you get serious about about signing somebody in free agency and 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 really try to you go pure BPA uh, with that tenth pick. We'll see. Um, let's talk about safety. Uh, clearly, a position that has not been heavily uh, worked on for for a long time, but uh, a a a true player seems to have risen out of the ashes a guy you know again that we've been fans of for a while and, and another guy that it feels like uh uh you know maybe if they had had a little bit more of a training camp maybe if they had had a little bit more of an ota situation you, you wonder if donovan wilson's name wouldn't have risen to the top a little bit sooner than it did um Donovan Wilson clearly, uh, you know, arrived on the scene and, and and has shown you something as as a as a guy, or at least shown me something as as a player that uh, I think can be kind of at least penciled in as a starter for next season. Um, what do you, what were your thoughts on on him? And obviously, uh, Xavier Woods, uh, I think, is a guy who he is what he is at this point. You know, I think we we're, we're I'm at least done with continuing to wait for the kind of next step from him. It just feels like. It it's it isn't arriving, and and I and, and unfortunately we've run out of time there, you know, because his contract is up. But uh, you know, safety was a position that you know until Wilson was stepped up, uh, was holding this team hostage predictably again this year. So, what are your thoughts on Wilson and, and the guys that were playing, and and where we go in the future with this position? Uh, again, very heavily affected by the switch back to Dan Quinn's defense. Man, I can't say enough about uh, how well Donovan Wilson played last year. He made plays. I mean, just his contributions in the run game. I mean, he plays. He's only like a barely above two hundred pounds, but he plays way above his weight class. There yeah. was multiple times where he did a fantastic job taking on and getting off blocks in the run game to make tackles. At the beginning of the season, he had some issues with his run fits. He was kind of slow to commit. He had some poor gap integrity at times but I think you just chalked that up to his um, inexperience Mm -hmm. and as the season came along he really really improved in those areas and I think became one of the Cowboys' best run defenders especially in the box he did a fantastic job there and then in coverage I thought he showed some good traits and to ability to vision the quarterback to make breaks on the ball to make plays I still don't really like his man coverage ability I still don't think you want him you know running with receivers downfield or covering tight ends consistently. But I just, especially in like a Quinn system, I love him in that Cam Chancellor physical tone setting role of somebody who can be inserted as a hook or a buzz defender. Um, Here's a really, uh, another super impressive set that I came across today. Um, Donovan Wilson had, was blitzed eight times last year and he got a piece of a sack on four of those eight snaps. So he got a piece of a sack on 50% of his blitzes. And I think, that's obviously an incredible pace for even in the small sample size. That's still a amazing production there. And I think that's something that a uh, role that can grow for him moving forward, his ability to be used as a blitzer from the second level, especially. So I'm ex- extremely excited about him. And then Xavier Woods, I think he's probably the biggest disappointment in the whole secondary. 
I was thinking that with Nolan using disguises, you know, ability yeah. to move Xavier Woods in different directions and align him in different places would allow him to make more plays on the ball, but it just made things way too complicated for him. He was a part of so many coverage busts that he's, we already know he's not really great against the run. As far as missed tackles, as far as size taking on blocks, he's nowhere near. I don't think Donovan Wilson in those terms. So I was just really, really, really disappointed in his play. Going back to a kind of Pete Carroll coaching tree defense would probably be good for him. But just like Jordan Lewis, I think he's someone who should be kind of your your plan C. You should allow him to test free agency. And if he finds somewhere else to go, then so be it. Because I... Definitely think he's someone who's shown that he might be a little bit, as you said, maxed out as a player. He kind of is what he is at this point. Yeah. And you can find upgrades over that, especially in the, I, the free agent safety class this year is actually It's actually impressive. pretty decent. Yeah. Really there's impressive, there's, there's, I think, especially considering t- most years where it's just like Tevin Boston and a bunch yeah. of people. It's like it's like they actually have, a you know, a, a top end group. There's like a trio of top end guys, maybe more. Um, and then there's a middle class and, and, and a nice, you know, bargain bin group of, of safety. Safety this year in free agency is something to watch, I think, because mm-hmm. there's there's some options no matter what your price point is. So Yeah, exactly. Um, totally agree. Let's talk about linebackers. You know, it, it's a position that we talked about coming into the season thinking that we were you know, as deep as any team uh, in football. Um, and, you know, it's uh, – it, it, it certainly didn't turn out that way. You know, I, I think Leighton Vander Esch on the field, off the field, uh, you know, dealing with, with his thing. I, I think it was, you know, in some ways it was good just to see him playing football. But then again, uh, he didn't play at his best football by any stretch of the imagination this year, even when he was healthy. Um, you know, and I wonder how much they specifically were affected by all the, the madness that's going on with the coaching staff. Um, you know, I think that, we're, we saw Sean Lee kind of really uh, fall off a cliff his play this year. I think it's probably time for him to go ahead and retire. Jalen Smith, uh, you know, is is I, I it's like I tweet tweet tweeted the other day. He's an okay player being paid like a great player, being traded like a terrible player, and and I think that that's ultimately where we are with him. He has an incredibly uh, a large contract that's you know when when you're when it, on a team that is uh, tight for cash, uh, he's definitely going to be in the in the crosshairs for for something. I don't know if that ends up happening, um, but at the same time, I, was he our best linebacker last year, John? Like I, I think that there's a lot to sort out here because I don't know that that you know. I don't know that there's a lot of certainty if you get rid of Jalen Smith that Leighton Vanderash is is going to come back 100% and be the guy that you thought he was a few years ago. Uh, and if he doesn't, then the Cowboys really don't have anything at the position because, again, Joe Thomas, who also didn't play well, is also a free agent as well. Yeah, I think it's really hard to properly evaluate these linebackers with what we'll get to probably next how terrible the defensive yeah. tackles played in front of them. I think yeah. they were put in really adverse situations and they performed predictably poor. I think mm-hmm. when you have defensive tackles who you can't trust that they're going to be true with their run fits, they're going to control their gaps, they're going to control their blockers, they're getting moved off the line of scrimmage, they're getting put in your lap consistently. And it 
it's extremely hard, especially in a Cowboy system with Nolan where the linebackers a lot of time fit off of what the defensive line is going to do. And it makes things extremely hard when you have no idea what these defensive tackles are going to do. You know, if they reliably got beat the same way every time, then at least they could like account for that and and make and make switches. But the defensive tackles got beaten like every way possible. They got beat horizontally. They got beat vertically. They got beat on double teams, single teams. It was just incredibly poor and it made the linebackers life behind them so difficult just so so difficult i think where you where the you can evaluate them is in coverage and they i don't think they were very good in coverage i think leighton vanderesh flashed some abilities some he had some good robot techniques but he had issues there as well and then jalen smith where everybody knows the issues he has when he's in man coverage and i hate to break it to people but leighton vanderesh isn't at, yeah isn't that great in man coverage either he's just not exposed there as often because of the positions that they play they put leighton vanderesh at mike a lot of times this year and played jalen smith at the will to try to keep him off blockers but that all that means is that jalen smith is going to get pulled out of the box way more often and Teams are going to have an easier time to isolate him one-on-one in man coverage, which we saw over and over and over again. So there's just a lot of issues. I think Jalen Smith obviously objectively did not perform well last year, but I think the way that fans are going in on him constantly because of his celebrations or because of they what they say is a, is a lack of self-awareness, even though I think he's just doing what's best for his business and I don't know how you could hate on that but he gets way too much blame for the Cowboys issues um I think that if you give him better defensive tackles in front of him then we'll really see the kind of caliber linebacker he is at this stage in his career but his he's obvious I just don't he's obviously not a player who's worthy of the contract that he has so that's always going to make him Someone the fans are gonna are gonna hate, and it's always gonna make him in the crosshairs of potentially getting cut if the team has cap issues. But I would like to see Jalen how he would do with better defensive tackles in front of him personally. Yeah, I would like to see both of these players with with better defensive tackles in front of them. Um, I, I think Jalen too uh, got caught several different times. It felt like uh, being punished, you know, by media and by fans for trying to make somebody else right, you know, like trying to fix somebody else's mistake. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously failing to do that is not great, but at the same time, it's when you're trying Don't to do something. The hype that, on these threads you see of all these bad, supposedly terrible run fits by Jalen Smith when he's in yeah. fact doing his job and other people are the ones that are wrong. Yeah. And that's the other thing too. Please. I, I would, Please, run, run fits, fits are one of the most difficult, difficult things yeah. to learn in football, and it's one of the things that you can find the least amount of resources on yes. online. So just with any anybody, even me included, take what people say about run fits with a grain of salt because 99.9% of the people that are covering NFL teams that don't have a coaching experience have zero idea what they're looking at. It's yeah. so complicated. There's so many different little wrinkles that can happen and there's so many things that can be changed on a weekly basis that it's just really yeah. hard to be able to consistently be accurate on those type of things. I do the best that I can. I try to talk to people that I think know what they're talking about, people that have experience as defensive coordinators, defensive yep. line coaches who specialize in these run fit type of situations and things. So I think that, it, you know, it's just it's just extremely difficult. And I would those, caution those are the only anybody people who talk for about it too. believing like those are the- anything that what people are saying in those situations. 
coaches are the only people that are talking about it too. You know, it's like coaches are the only ones who, you know, actually are having these discussions about run fits. And it's because they're incredibly complicated. You know, like you have to take into consideration what the coverage is. You have to take into consideration what the alignments are, what, what, what the alignment of the offense is. Like it's the thing that gets, you know, changed by variables probably the most often, you know? So uh, yeah, I think it's it's often unfair to. And the indiv- thing is, it's fluid yeah. mid play. Yeah, you know? oh, exactly. Your yeah. pre snap run fit is not the same as your post snap run fit. I mean, we saw it a million times with the Cowboys this season. They had a incredibly difficult time adjusting their run fits through the sift action when you have that sniffer tight end coming across yep. and blocking the backside defensive end. They had an incredibly difficult time properly switching adjusting their gaps to that post snap manipulation and. That's just things that I don't I don't trust that those in the media are doing the homework necessary to be able to identify those things and then to be able to evaluate the players behind them on it. Yeah, especially on a snap by snap basis. Like I mean, it's like to specifically call out specific snaps and be like, "This is uh, this is definitely his assignment. This is definitely his job." Dude, you have no idea. And like, especially <laughs> in Nolan's defense last year that's really yeah. complicated that's using one and two gap principles. When you're yeah. playing a single gap penetrating defense, it's it's a lot easier to identify yeah. the run fits. It's still extremely difficult, but it's easier. But when you have a system like what Nolan was using last year, yeah. it's it's incredibly difficult unless you have a lot of experience teaching in that kind of system, you know? You don't there's a reason why you rarely see people in the media really digging deep on run fits you'll see people talk about coverages you'll see people talk about you know run and hit linebackers but you'll never hear people really break down the finer intricacies of (laughs) yeah see here the dog see the dax knows drax knows it's it's difficult it's it's really really difficult and and trying to like sort through that and trying to like give certain answers it's unfair to, to a large degree and it and it's it, it really we don't even know what the calls were and neither neither does anybody else so mm-hmm. it's probably unfair to assign individual blame to players for for run fit assignments when you don't even know what the assignment was so ah, anyways soapbox done <laughs> Let's uh, let's let's talk about defensive linemen. Who, I, uh, <laughs> having said all that, we are about to totally trash this defensive this defensive tackle group real quick. Uh, but you know, look, it wasn't great. Obviously, going into the year, going into the actual regular regular season, we knew it wasn't going to be great. You know, I, I think that's the thing that uh, is. It's frustrating is that we kind of knew that it was, you know, it's like walking into a buzzsaw, right? I mean, Gerald McCoy gets injured before the season even starts, and suddenly you're like, oh, okay, well, let's just look at these guys and we'll walk into the the fire with this. Uh, You know, really what it all meant was, oh, okay, well, I guess that means that Dak just has to score like four or five more points a game than he normally would in order for us to win. But look, you know, moving Tyrone Crawford, who had just come off of double hip surgery and is hates playing defensive tackle in the first place and is undersized to do it as well, was not a a, a legitimate full time uh, uh, you know solution to this problem. They you know they only had one real full time nose tackle on the team. It felt like in Antoine Woods, and and he played mostly like a rotational backup. Don Terry Poe was literally just a guy who stood on the field for two or three games or whatever, however long he was on the team. And then Justin Hamilton is a guy who got you know uh, a couple hundred snaps in, throughout the season and and g- gave you two or three good ones. 
But outside of that, you know, you had guys like Walter Palmore and Eli Anku and all these guys I never even heard of that are walking off the street playing nose tackle for you. Uh, and 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 it shows, you know, it, it that's they clearly uh, were violating what Marcus Mosier and I have. And really, let's be clear, Marcus, I came up with the line. I just gave you part of the credit for it. But we are still somehow calling the McMosier line, which is, you know, the line in which your run defense is so bad that until you get it fixed, it's the number one thing that's going to kill you. Uh, and, and and I think that it all starts with the defensive tackles. There are two uh, you know shining spots or bright spots that you think that maybe next year you've got a starting point to work with and Tristan Hill, who I think showed you a couple of really good snaps or at least showed you that there's some potential there. And Neville Gallimore, who felt like every week was getting a little bit better, but still, I mean, extremely, extremely, extremely inconsistent. But overall, John, uh, this position was a dumpster fire. Uh, talk to me about your thoughts here and, and just you know your level of disgust for the 2020 defensive tackle group for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I touched on it before. Like it, it was just, I think the number one issue with the defense was the poor defensive tackle play. And this is the funny thing is, the defensive tackles played so poorly against the run that literally zero people talk about how little impact they had as pass rushers. The Cowboys got yeah. zero, zero impact from their interior pass rushers last year, unless they slid like an Alden Smith in there or something. Yep. Yep. It was, it was just in both facets incredibly disappointing. Even like I. I did not think that they were going to be good, but I did not think they were going to be like almost historically bad at the position. It was just incredibly poor from um, from almost all parties. I thought Antoine Wood showed some good things. He showed the ability to be an effective rotational nose tackle, I think. He's someone that you would like to keep on as your number two or number three nose. He's active. He's someone who tries really hard. He actually does a pretty good job d- diagnosing screens and whatnot. Like you said, with Neville Gallimore, he showed some really impressive flashes toward the end of the season. He was a disaster at the beginning of the oh, season. Oh, man. It was a terrible. disaster. And it was really nice to see him progress slowly as the season wore on. He was slowly flashing more and more. He still had plays where he would get bounced out of gaps. And I still think he needs to improve a lot before you want him to be like your main starter. But I was very intrigued for him for his rookie year. I think that he was trending in the right direction. And that's what you want for somebody like him as a rookie and then Tristan Hill I think he showed some promise Um, his ability to get vertical his ability to be explosive he was the one defensive tackle that was able to supply some pass rush ability some pass rush he had like nine pressures in five games which was a better average than most of the other defensive tackles I think Tyron Crawford probably struggled more than anyone else on the defensive line with the transition from the Marinelli system to the Nolan system just Instead of playing on the edges of blocks and being able to penetrate through his gap, having to play through blocks just did not play to his skill set very well. He was getting blown out of his gap a lot of times, especially by double teams. He really, really struggled this year to the point where he basically became a pass rush only player toward the end of the year. Yeah. So he's someone who I wouldn't be surprised if he was playing in another jersey or retired after this season. Um, But yeah, just... Very, very dis- obviously disappointed in what the defensive tackles did this year. And I think the Cowboys have to please 
have to allocate some like real resources to the position. You know, I, we, they don't need a Don Terry Poe type. They need someone who can actually make an impact and be an upgrade over the people that you currently have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if you're talking about the nose tackle who may not play nearly as many snaps, uh, I, I, you just need to find a way to stop the bleeding in the run game. Uh, because until this team can stop a, a team from running the football, even when Dak Prescott comes back, it's it's you know one of the ways that teams can beat a good quarterback is keep away. And if you can't stop the run, really the only thing that stopped teams from running the football in the Cowboys this year was the score. You know, that's that's or the you know the, the amount of time left in the game. That that's the only thing that really stopped the run. So the Cowboys got to find a way to fix what's going on up front. Uh, all right, let's finish things out with the uh, with the defensive end position, the edge position. Uh, the uh, only thing I'll say is uh, Bradley and I end of conversation. Okay, I think we're done here. Let's go ahead and call it a day and uh, finish it up here. Uh, no, I, I think. It's it's interesting because Anai is a guy that we've been calling for, and obviously he's not the headliner here. But uh, you know, a guy we've been calling for all season. I think he only played six snaps on on defense, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but there was a lot of interesting players that ended up did that ended up getting snaps this year. Um, you know, we saw Alden Smith, uh, and and he kind of made a, a surprising impact early, and then kind of drifted away into what the kind of what we expected uh, out of a guy that's. 30 plus years old and hadn't played football in multiple seasons started to really kind of fade but I thought he, he he provided you some good stuff at the end of the year better stuff at the end of the year when he was kind of playing as that Tyrone Crawford inside outside guy a little bit um, Dorrance Armstrong got a lot of snaps uh, because he was playing kind of that uh, pass rush designated pass rusher role which uh, you know I don't know. They, it felt like he was getting way more snaps at the expense of Randy Gregory than I'm comfortable with. And obviously, Randy Gregory, when he came back, has been impressive. Uh, and I, I can't wait to see exactly what you get out of Demarcus Lawrence, who uh, had another fantastic season this year, uh, and and Randy Gregory as your kind of jumping off point for next year. Uh, I think it's a really good uh, duo. The question now becomes what happens behind those two. Uh, so what are your thoughts on, on the edge class overall? This is obviously a position that you study a ton. So uh, what were your feelings throughout the year on, on who played and how they played? And, and what, what do you think about the position going forward? I think out of all of the positions on defense, the Cowboys got the best contrib- contributions from the defensive end position. I thought they had three players who distinctively played probably pretty well throughout the entire season. Demarcus Lawrence was outstanding. I yep. think he was a top 10, even though he didn't, uh, exceed the double-digit sack barrier. I still think he was a top-10 edge defender in the entire NFL. Fantastic as a pass rusher, fantastic as a run defender. I don't like the way he was utilized a lot of times. A lot of these kind of read rushes that they were using him on where he was kind of reading uh, reading peel action by the running backs. and they. I was just really confused with what they were doing with Demarcus Lawrence a lot. I think the stance thing was... Uh, a bigger deal at the beginning of the season. He kind of fixed a lot of the issues toward the end of the season. Um, but yeah, he just showed that he's a he's a badass man. He's yeah. I love having him on my side. I wouldn't yeah. You know, I wouldn't want to play against him. That's for sure. Randy Gregor. I think the 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 goddamn arrows pointing 
extremely <laughs> high toward the heavens. I think the fact that he was able to contribute the way that he did after the layoff that he's had, giving him now a full offseason to stay prepared, uh, the ability to be with the team consistently, I think I'm really excited about what he's going to get with more snaps. You saw his ability. He was the Cowboys' uh, most productive pass rusher on a per-snap basis throughout the entire season, and he was actually one of the best in the NFL on a per-snap yeah. basis. Um, I think he was top 10 in that area. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, really excited to see what he could do with a bigger role with more pass rush snaps, more ability to play against the run. I think he didn't get enough credit for his high impact against the run. He kind of, I think at the beginning of the season, he kind of struggled there and that kind of scared the coaches off from using him against the run later. But I think he really improved there. You saw the uh, the fruits of his labor of him adding that size really helped him hold and set strong edges and get off blocks and make plays against the run so i'm really excited about him i think him and demarcus lawrence can be a really exciting duo moving forward and i think randy gregory's ascension is a reason why you don't have to really make a you don't have to re-sign alden smith this year i don't think he's someone who is a necessity i think it would be nice but i think especially there's other people in free agency there's uh, a lot of people this is a nice edge class i think in the in the draft this year so i think you can find adequate replacements for him so i'm really excited about the defensive end group uh edge group i think bradley and i still i think when he gets a bigger role i think he's going to be an impactful player i don't think he's going to be you know demarcus lawrence or anything but i think he's definitely going to be able to contribute more than say like a Dorrance Armstrong did in a similar in a similar role. I, it's not that I think Dorrance Armstrong is a poor player necessarily. I just think he's a very one note player. He's kind of he's strong against the run, but he's not going to give you really anything in terms of an effective pass rusher. It seems like at least that's what he's shown throughout his first few years in the league. So yeah, you know um, I'm intrigued. I think this is a sneaky position that they could still add talent. I don't think you can ever have too many pass rushers. The ability mm-hmm. to maintain pass rush when you're rotating your defensive line i think is very important and i think the that's why the cowboys still need to look in free agency and the draft to find a couple more especially if they don't resign alden smith but yeah i i thought they did well i think this is the one position on defense that you can say definitively played well for the cowboys last year yeah, and I think with that, we're going to leave it with the, the the high note. We'll end on the high note there because I think that's uh, you know as good as we can leave it. Uh, it was a terrible year, uh, whether you're talking about football season or otherwise, uh, but we're through it, and uh, now we're going to see exactly where things go from here. We have got a lot of stuff coming out for the next few months. Obviously, with the offseason in full swing, we are going to be back on a semi-regular basis because it's offseason, so uh, please continue to check us out. Make sure you follow John at John Owning. Make sure you follow me at McCoolBCB on Twitter. The, the the account, the podcast account is at Best Coast Boys. Special thanks as always to at Fish Sports. Uh, catch us all on Cowboys SI. That's Cowboys and then SI.com. Uh, John, do you have anything else you want to plug? Any articles coming out this week? Um, I don't know when this is going to be published, but Wednesday I'm coming out with a kind of a 201 look at Quinn's defense, kind of look at some of the difference between pattern match cover three and and Quinn's uh, vision and break cover three. Going to talk some of the strengths and weaknesses of that scheme. So my football nerds, I think, will appreciate that one. And then Friday I have a mock draft coming out on Mm. Dallas Morning News, so be on the lookout for that. That should be fun. You guys make sure you click, 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 click on all those articles. And uh, until next time, happy trail, everybody.